0: Okay, happy Sabbath everybody. I heard that we're supposed to have all had a good week because we're here. That could be dangerous to presume such a thing. You could come to church because you've had a terrible week and need lifting up, right? Which makes it good, thank you brother. (laughs) Well, I have had a very interesting week. It began with heading off in the sunset, Sabbath evening. Right there, Hayden? Okay. With my beautiful wife. Who doesn't normally do that to speakers. And um, to celebrate our anniversary. And uh, 19 years married. It's true. uh, A true representation of my wife's strength of forbearance. (laughs) If uh, you had to live with me for very long, you would take your hat off to her, I'm sure. And I certainly do. But on, on our stay away, we were truly blessed to just have some time to Reflect, not only of our lives past, but how God was there when we weren't with him. And when he finally came into our lives, into my life, because I was an atheist, how it's been richly blessed ever since. Oh yeah, there were trials, there were times where there were lots of tears and a lot of heartache, but God continued to unfold the blessings that we never knew were possible. And uh, I'm probably the only man in all of the world that has been married to his wife 19 years while she's still only 19 years old. (laughs) That's a long-standing, ongoing little thing with us, but that's okay. So the scripture reading. Where are your treasures stored? Just bear with me a moment as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you've been with me throughout the week. You've seen the ins and outs of my life. You've revealed some things to me that I didn't care to see, Father. And I come before you now, Father, to be cleansed of my failings. For I'm a sinner that has fallen. But I thank God. I thank you, Father, for the mercies that you have put upon us and for the blessing of the blood of Christ cleanse me and to forgive me of my sin I ask this in Jesus name and expect an outpouring father of the Holy Spirit for I can do nothing without him and so I pray dear father that the Holy Spirit will descend upon this congregation that we all will be richly blessed for I have the beginning of the message father you have revealed this to me but we're yet to see the end and I thank you in Jesus name amen For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A title sermon may seem completely off the track with the scripture reading, but the title is Ten. How many? Ten could have been wise. Ten could have been wise. Before we get into any further, let's just ask a question. I want some answers from you. Treasure. The scripture says where your treasure is. What does treasure mean to you? What is a treasure in your eyes? Has anyone got an answer they could share with us? Your wife. Amen. Well, pray she goes to heaven first. Sorry. Okay, yeah, but I want to understand what treasure is. Not your treasure, but what is the meaning of treasure? Something you value, something of worth. Something you search for. Cherish. Okay, I asked my wife this question this morning and she said something of value. I said, I've got a lot of things of value, but I wouldn't call them treasures. If I said my wife was a treasure of mine and I said that she was of value, it might be a little bit of an anticlimax. Something of great value to the beholder or the, the possessor, correct? And some occasions can be of a great value to someone else, so they seek it. They want that treasure too. Jesus tells us to search for what? The pearl of price, right? Are we awake today, congregation? The pearl of price, was it? Great Great price. Because it's what? A treasure worth having, right? Okay. I want us to uh, open to Matthew 25. In here we're going to find out about 10 young women that are likened to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And there's some lessons in here for us. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have bothered to speak it. You know, everything he shared with us is for us to learn from. Okay? And we're going to read just quickly through it, lay the background, and then we're going to start to pull it to pieces a little bit so we can understand better what I believe God is trying to tell us today. I've preached a sermon on this before and it's amazing how God can reveal something new when you rehash something, you look at it again. And we'll pray, it didn't go, we, don't, we don't go as long as last time. Apparently that was an error and something. So we'll try and keep it short, shall we? Okay, Matthew 25 and verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. Ten. Which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps, and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. It's an interesting parable and it finishes with the admonition to watch. Why? tells us right there. You know not when the hour cometh. So would it behoove us to understand better what he's trying to get at with all the various things in this parable? Because it's not about looking around and saying, okay, he's wise, he's foolish, he's going to be saved, he's going to be locked. No, no, no. The title sermon tells us very clearly that they all could have been wise. And we're going to find out how. In the attempt, praise God, that we would be wise. Because the reality is, whether we like it or not, most of us are actually still very foolish. I'm talking about us right here, right now, not the rest of the world. I'm talking about in this congregation amongst the people I love, that I know whether we like it or not. And this is something God revealed to me this week, that I was still foolish. And we're going to find out why. Let's go to verse 2 and have another look. The five of them were wise and five were foolish. Let's understand what the Bible describes as wise and as as foolish. And so I want us to go to Psalms 14, verse 1. We don't want to understand what I think. We want to understand what God has to say. When we leave here today... You may have heard things you're not real happy to have heard, but please understand that it's from God's word. And if it's not, then please do come and correct me. But take it and study it. If you're not happy, study it. Pray about it. And then make your decision, because it's yours, free, to choose as you wish, whether you will serve or not, whether you believe or not. So Psalms 14 Verse 1. What does the Bible tell us? Foolishness. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So a foolish person says there is no God. Okay? Well, none of us say that, right? Or do we? Yeah. It's in our heart. That's right. In our mind, in what we think and how we behave. So we're going to pull this apart a little bit more. Let's go to Proverbs 1, 7. Proverbs is a wonderful book. If you want to understand about foolish and wise, go to Proverbs. They've whole chapters on it. Proverbs 1 7 tells us something else regarding foolish and wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Do you know the whole experience I've had with God since I decided to consider the fact that there is a God has been one instruction after another? God has shown me something new, something deeper than maybe before, and as every time, he has just laid it out there. Will you accept it? Follow. And not every time, sadly, I have said, I will follow. Maybe in word, maybe in my thought, in my intention, but the, reaction, the reality is my actions were different. You see, thoughts and actions generally end up together. Words, not always. Had it, haven't we? People say something but they don't live up to it, correct? Seen that plenty of times? I'm guilty of it. Proverbs 3, 7 gives us a bit more of a picture. So the beginning of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs 3, verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. So here we have that fear again. So our wisdom. Well, the beginning of wisdom with the fear of God now is explained a little further. He says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. So wisdom and fear of the Lord will bring us to do what? Depart from evil. Because we will be, if we are wise, we will receive instruction. As it says, the foolish He doesn't accept it. He can't take it. Let's turn to Zechariah. Verse 3. Sorry, no, we'll go to Psalms. We're going to look at verse 3 now. Matthew 25, and then we're going to go to Psalms. So Matthew 25, verse 3 says, let's just remind ourselves. We want to have this clear in our mind as we go. So five of them were wise and five were foolish. And so we have a bit better picture of what is wise and what is foolish. And like I said, if you want to get a little bit more interest, go into Proverbs. It'll tell you an awful lot about wisdom and foolishness. And verse 3 then says, They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. What's a lamp? Psalm 119, 105? Okay. Okay. All right, so a lamp might represent the word, correct? I think we can all agree on that. It's biblically sound. So they all had a Bible. Who hasn't got a Bible? The deacons can get you one. Oh, well, we fit the description so far. We've all got a Bible. Well, what did they do? They took something not with them. Now... Lamps of old run on what? Oil. When we were in Vanuatu, they had fat lamps. They call them, but they were coconut oil and a little wick in them. And they weren't very effective, but they're certainly better than just dark, right? That oil wasn't all that easily obtained either. Like I don't know about you, but we go down to the shop and we buy it. They had to get it. They had to press it and. And get it out. Extract it somehow. So. Oh, yes. I mean, in the islands, they made all sorts of things into lamps just for the sake of being resourceful and obviously ease as opposed to trying to make them the old-fashioned way. But they had sometimes just a half of a coconut shell. Other times they had part of a tin and just had a wick in that. Glass. They had pieces of glass. Okay. So the the foolish took no oil with them. There's another thing that we can, the oil. We have the lamp. What is the oil then? Are we sure? Go to, let's go to Zechariah, chapter four. I'm just going to read from two down to six. Zechariah chapter four, two verse, verses two to six. And said unto me, What what seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. What do we get from olive trees? Well, apart from olives, yeah. Oil, right. And so here we have the olive trees. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Connecting the oil in the lamps with the, the Spirit. It was a symbolism. The Holy Spirit. So this seems like to be a very important aspect that the foolish have left out. And so it's interesting, and we're going to pull it apart as we go. So let's keep going down. What about the vessels? What do they represent? Because in verse... Let's just go back there again. Matthew 25. verse four it says, "But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps." Well isn't the lamp the vessel? Carries oil. So what's represented by the vessel? Anyone got an answer? Yeah, okay, we're the vessel, but can we be sure? So scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians, I was looking for one that was, there's a lot you can, you know, if you're spiritually minding you say, yeah, that's what it's talking about. I just thought, I want something a little bit more in your face. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 5 to 7. For we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Earthen vessels. We're likened to earthen vessels. Not silver and gold vessels. It's an interesting thought Ponder that. When you consider earthen vessels as opposed to silver and gold. I mean the temple had silver vessels and gold vessels, didn't it? But earthen vessels, what were we made from? Dust. And what do we hear? And the verse here tells us to do what? What's the purpose of us? To reflect God's glory. Right? Not ours. You see, that's the part where often we all fall down. We start to want to reflect our glory. And then we can even try and palm that off as being for God. So the treasure... When it says in the scripture where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to be very careful what we treasure in life. See, the foolish virgins weren't ready because of what? If we turn back to chapter 25 of Matthew, and just let's look at it again. And so we can read it as this. There were wise and foolish Seventh-day Adventists, Christians, however you want to put it. They all had their Bibles. All read them. Carried them with them. They knew the scripture. Some of, the, some of them were foolish. They refused the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's the reality. That's what the foolish did. They took no oil. They said, not thy will, Father, but my will. When confronted with issues regarding how they should maybe live, they said, not thy will, Father, but my will. This is what I faced this week. There were things in my life that I had to confront and say, you know what, that's my will, not thy will. And it's always the things we like. You know what? That's a really scary revelation because if you're liking it, it's telling you something about your conversion. Because the converted heart doesn't like sin. The fallen one does. I can prove that from Scripture, but we're not going to do it here today. We can study that. You can look at it yourself. The converted heart doesn't like sin. You can be in your converted spirit. Don't get me wrong. But don't miss the fact that God's trying to reach you when he shows you a weakness you have so that he can continue the work of converting you, sanctifying you. Each of us have yet a ways to go and there's not much time left. If you have bothered to look at the signs around us, there can't a lot of time left? There can't be. And I'm not talking days or weeks. But how long does it take? I've been living and trying to practice this truth since 2007. Baptised in 2009. That's going on nearly 11 years and I still haven't got it right. So you see what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be days or weeks. It It could be years. It could even go into decades. But Is that actually enough time to overcome the sinful heart? It only has to actually take this long. Faith is instant. Because it relies on the power of God, not on the power of you. When God said, let there be light, it didn't have to gradually get there. It was there. It was light. If you have faith in the Word of God, it can be instantaneous. Instantaneous. That doesn't mean you're not going to trip and fall. The righteous fall how many times? All right, we know our Bibles. Seven times. Well, what happens? Praise God we get up again. Don't fail getting up. But you know, the biggest problem is is when we don't realize we've actually fallen in something. When a sin has become so ordinary, normal, The wise and the foolish virgins appeared absolutely no different on the outside. According to scripture. It doesn't really go into anything other than certain characteristics. They had lamps. But the vessel. It doesn't say the foolish didn't have a vessel. That would be impossible. They're a person. So they're a vessel in of themselves. But they didn't bother with the oil. And guess what happens? So let's have a look at the cry comes. Do you know what that cry is? I mean, some people actually are waiting for a time when we say the bridegroom comes. Uh-uh. The midnight cry came ages ago. The cry comes every day when you... What did Jesus give us to know when he was coming? Signs of the times. So every day when you experience life, if you are actually looking and and Considering the signs that Jesus gave you, it should be a midnight cry to you that we're getting closer. You see, it's not about waiting for some special event, some, a major catastrophe or some great preacher finally tells us, get ready. Every day, the signs are telling us to be ready. That's why Jesus told us, look for the signs. So you will know that in that day, it not come on you as a thief. Isn't that right? I'm seeing signs, I'm seeing people having an interest in spiritual things now that they didn't have before, and not so long ago. Just yesterday evening, I shared a little bit here this morning that we have had a a form of persecution in the sense that because we're Seventh Day Adventists, we're not allowed to be invited to preach or share at the local community church, which didn't necessarily bother me. We had also hoped that maybe for some of us out that way, we might have been able to fellowship in that church on a Sabbath which was also off the cards, which didn't necessarily bother us. But you know what? God is amazing. Tomorrow at one o'clock, God has called me to preach in that very church. And the very man that was against it all resigned yesterday. God is working. Because in this week, I was able to witness to at least four members of that congregation, two of which are my parents regarding the issue of Sunday and Sabbath, and that time is coming when we are going to be facing this sort of persecution even more. Because that's what God is doing. He is pulling on the hearts of people. People are starting to say it's not enough. So now what takes place? They've heard the cry. Do the foolish stay asleep? No. The foolish wake up. It says, then all those virgins arose. All of us will hear it. We see it. We're all saying the same. We're all getting the message, but there's a real problem. They trimmed their lamps. All of them. Not just the wise. Foolish as well. To this point, there's only one thing different. Oil. <coughs> if a lamp burns oil, what's it going to end up doing to the oil? Use it up. You have to keep... All right. Don't miss the lesson. You know what trimming the lamp does? Some of us here are possibly old enough to have experienced kerosene lamps. I have. Because we lived in a place where power went out pretty often. <laughs> And kerosene lamps were really good. But even a candle, you can do the same with a candle, but kerosene lamps more so. Trimming the lamp, what does it mean? What is the benefit of trimming the lamp? Would anyone like to share that? What's that? Okay. Do you know what happens as the, as the lamp, as the wick burns, it gets sooted up. It leaves an ash a sooty stuff at the top of it. It doesn't just fall away. And what happens is, it soots up the flame. The flame becomes duller. See, I could stand here and tell you how I I served in Vanuatu. You know what? That doesn't mean squat today. If there's sin regarded in my heart, none of that amounts to anything. No matter how right I was with the Lord then, one fly in the ointment. One fly. Do you see the standard God is holding? One fly in the ointment. If you're a farmer that's learned to be resourceful, you flick the fly out and keep going with the ointment. But God says that's not good enough. Putrefies the lot. You can get it out and, and then you might have a chance, but if you leave the fly there, it's going to putrefy the lot. What's the fly represent? Come on. Everyone knows a fly is sinful. There's nothing good in that thing ever. I'm sure they weren't created at the beginning. Someone meddled and made that thing up later. It's nearly got to be the case. Or either that or it's been terribly messed with. It's, I don't, it's just, there's nothing good with a fly, right? <laughs> All right. Sort of representation of trimming the lamp. Daily. None of me, Lord. Nothing good I bring. Cut it off. Whatever good deed you think you did the day before, cut it off. Forget about it. Do it again. Shine again. Shine all the time. The result upon trimming the lamp is that the foolish said to the wise, give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out or going out. They come to a realization that all of a sudden they weren't able to shine. Do you know what? It doesn't matter how much biblical knowledge you have, if you haven't put it into practice in the past, even if you start to wake up, you're going to find it difficult to put it into practice in the future. You can come to church and fool everybody, it's in the secret pavilion. But God wants to speak to you. It's the little things. He who's faithful with little will be faithful with much. You can't fool God. We need to be earnestly seeking God's will for every aspect of our life. We are meant to be representing Him. Fernand said we're ambassadors for God. We are to be ambassadors for God, but to presume you are is dangerous. To, assume, to accept that, yes. But you know what? An Ambassador has to represent God correctly. So guess who gets to judge whether you actually are an ambassador for God or the devil? God does. And you're going to find where he's using. He can give you that measure right here. If you want to look at your life, honestly, a man is to examine himself correctly. Take a look at the things that you're doing in life, whatever it might be. When you first get dressed in the morning, just what you might put on could be a misrepresentation of God. Did you know that? The love of fashion is a deadly snare, we're told. Why? Because fashion is all about self. Do you understand? When we become pleasers of others... Because we need self-esteem or we need to feel good about ourselves and we start to do things that perhaps God hasn't sanctioned in his word to do. We've just failed to be ambassadors for God. You may be able to do a work for him. He used a sinful king. A pagan. Totally in the face of God. But he still used him. To bring glory to himself. So you may still be able to do a good work. And you know what? They came and said, Lord, Lord, let us in. And where does that sing? Where does that ring in our ears? Come, come to Matthew 7. Because you're going to get this. You've got to get this. It isn't a simple little thing we can just brush past. We need to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like because otherwise, why did he bother with all the parables? Matthew 7. This rings in my ears whenever I hear this. Anywhere else in scripture it says, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why not? You call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Well, don't miss the fact that name represents character. Let's see what he says as to why they disqualified from heaven but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Okay? He who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? They presume they were in the character of God. Or at least they said we we are Christians. And they prophesied. They may have even won people to the kingdom that are actually there because they took it seriously. But they've got a real fault. Let's keep going. And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done wonderful works. What's their reason for disqualification? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Why? Depart from me ye that work iniquity. Can you see The foolish virgins had been working iniquity in their lives. They had been storing their treasure on earth. Their treasure was themselves. You will not be kept out of the kingdom for just about anything except self-seeking. That's the thing that got Lucifer kicked out. I will be like the Most High. I will do my own thing. I will dress the way I want to dress. I will eat the way I want to eat. I will go to the sports or whatever else it is that I want to go to. And God's not going to stop me because in the day God's so loving, he gave his son so I could do as I please. Wrong answer. Let's go to John chapter 3. We are to be born of the Spirit. Verse 5, Jesus answered very verily, really, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Because the Holy Spirit is sent to, in John chapter 16, convict the world of sin, of righteousness, right living, and of judgment to be passed upon those that have not lived righteously. That's why you have to have the Spirit. You have to be born of the Spirit. You have to daily ask for God to reveal things to you. Let's move down. And it says in verse 16, as we all know, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's read that again. For God so loved the fallen that he gave his only perfect begotten Son. That whosoever accepted the will of the Father and obeyed him out of love would be saved by the blood of the Lamb and not perish. It's not some free ticket to heaven. Jesus didn't pour out his blood so we could do as we please. He poured out his blood so we would have opportunity to learn how to live righteously. You see, with God there are no ifs and buts. It is what it is. There's no doubt or wavering with God. He knows what is right. He shares in his word what is right. And he does it in such a powerful way that you can't miss it. You can't be deceived if you earnestly seek with all your heart for truth. You will find it. And it will set you free from the bonds of sin and confusion. Jesus didn't give his blood for us to trample on underfoot. When the imagery was given to the Hebrews leaving Egypt, it was to go on the doorposts, up each side, across the land threshold, the the top, the lintel, not to go here on threshold, not to be trampled underfoot, not to be taken lightly, not to say, that's really good, but I'll do my own thing anyway. See, it's a real problem we have because of the culture we actually live in. The culture we live in promotes self. Simple as that. There's no point arguing about it. It promotes self, self self self-worth, self-esteem, self-gratification, whatever it is. Come and get this thing. Buy it now. Pay for it later. Instant gratification. Instant satisfaction. Or at least that's what it's portrayed as. But when you choose to be a Christian, you're actually entering into a covenant on which God put the terms. And the terms are simple. Ten commandments. And we're not to bow down to any other gods. The worst one of all is self. Let's turn to Proverbs again. While looking for another verse this morning, I found this one. Proverbs 14, 14. My memory text, Chris, was somewhat fuzzy. But God used it this morning. Proverbs 14, 14. You think what I've been saying is not from God? Maybe it's too much of my own opinion. Well, here it is, right in black and white. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. And a good man shall be satisfied from himself. None are good except Christ, right? None is good but one, God. Is there hope? Of course there's hope. Praise be for God that Christ Jesus can deliver us. But you've got to let him do the work. You've got to wrestle against sin. You can't do nothing. You can't just sit back and say, God will fix it. When he comes, I'll be instantly transformed in this perfect saint. We're told very clearly that the character you develop now will be the very thing you take to heaven. So if it's not developed right, you're not going to heaven. Whom are we choosing to serve? Examine ourselves. I don't stand in judgment of anyone. I've read the scriptures. I've studied them. We are full of things in our lives. I can guarantee you. And if you're not, I am so thankful for you. I, I, I want to praise you that you can live that life and continue to do that. And I encourage you to continue to strive for the perfection. But the closer or the more I've strived for it, the, the more I see that's wrong with my life. Will we ever realize that we may have reached perfection? I don't believe so. But we're told we are to be perfect. That perfect is, Jesus put it this way when he was talking about the wise and foolish builders. He who hears these words and does them is wise. See, with the knowledge you've been given, if you are faithful with it, whether it be small or great, you'll be considered as wise. And guess who they are? The ones that enter into heaven. It's about practicing what we believe. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Until self gets in the way. When you wake up in the morning, do yourself a favor and put yourself back to bed and go ahead with just God. I've been known to say it, Lord, I'm sorry, I just woke up. Other than that, it was doing well today. But help me now. Because sin is at the door. The devil knows. The devil knows our weaknesses. Pride is one of them. Whether we like it or not, some of us like to think we're humble. But I tell you, what, I thought I was humble and then God humbled me even more. Yeah, that's, uh, we're going to share that experience today. But I tell you what, it was very humbling. And I thought, it was, I thought I was relatively humble before that. I had really been trying and praying to, because I had been a very proud and arrogant man. And so I wanted to be humble because I didn't want to remain that way because I knew I couldn't enter the kingdom. And then God had a little interesting way of humbling me some more. Brought my past. Caught it up with me. A good name is worth a treasure, right? But it, you know what? It seemed as though my good name was to be destroyed in an instant like that because of my sinful life before. But God worked it for his glory. Nothing to do with me except my willingness, just my willingness, that's all. So the backslider in his heart shall be filled with his own ways. In conclusion, my prayer is that we won't be foolish Oh, we'll be wise. Take heed that none deceive you. But the worst one to deceive us is ourselves. My heart is wicked. Who could know it? Isn't that right? Yeah. I'm not trying to beat everybody up as terrible people, but you know what? There's no time for playing church. It just isn't. We're fast running out. And whether you realize it or not, you might say, well, I don't know about this and I don't know about that, but guess what? We were sent a beautiful gift as a people, the gift of prophecy. And in that gift is everything you need to know to be ready for heaven. And it talks about all manner of subjects unashamedly, Including the dress, including the diet, including the lifestyle, the recreation, what you choose to do with your spare time. Do you know so many of us, I believe, are wasting so much of our spare time. I'm guilty. That's what it revealed to me through this week that a lot of my spare time was being wasted when it could have been spent in the scriptures. And what was it wasted on? Self. What I wanted to do. I urge us, I beseech us all to strive to be wise. Heavenly Father, my prayer is that all of us will come home. My prayer is that we will all make a commitment today to search our lives. To examine ourselves, we may be harbouring bitterness in our heart, unforgiveness, slothfulness, reservedness, self-seeking, selfishness, love of fashion, love of praise. Whatever it might be, Father, the list goes on. I pray dear Father that for all of us the Holy Spirit will fill us with your measure of grace the oil of grace to cleanse us of sin to strengthen us to be victorious over every sin that so easily besets us for in Hosea Lord we are told that your people Perish for lack of knowledge, not a lack of knowledge given, but knowledge rejected. Father, as Seventh-day Adventists, we are truly blessed to have the knowledge of truth through and through, but this holds an accountability that none can shun. So I pray now, Father, that you will prove us through this week. You will test us, you will try us, and deliver us victorious in Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.